0: York's talk station with the king of New York, Curtis Lewa, 77 W.A.B.C.
1: lunchtime edition of wabc just having come back from st patrick's cathedral an outstanding gathering of friends family members co-workers and a lot of wabc listeners and those who go back to uh, listening to bernard mcgurk when he was on the fan and when he made his weekly appearances with bill o'reilly on the fox news channel today uh, If he were alive, we would be celebrating Bernard McGurk's birthday, but naturally we celebrate it in death. And Cardinal Dolan led off the proceedings, welcoming everyone. St. Patrick's Cathedral was packed. And the WABC family and our extended family, I want to thank so many of you who are in the house. Those that couldn't be there, you go to wabcradio.com. There was a full video. Thousands of people were watching on the video. Share it with uh, fellow listeners and friends and family members because this definitely was a day of remembrance that will resonate in the annals of WABC in perpetuity. At the very end, our owner-operator, John Katsimatidis, listed off a litany of all the ways we will continue to continue to honor the life and times of Bernard McGurk. This studio that I broadcast from, the main studio, will be named in his honor. Everything uh, will have the mark and the voice of Bernard McGurk attached to it. There will be PSA's most important for prostate cancer awareness, the very cancer that took his life that he hadn't gotten a simple blood test for. We'll get into that momentarily. But I just want to applaud all of our listeners who came from so far. I was talking with men and women outside of St. Patrick's Cathedral as we all queued up. People who had traveled from as far away as Western Pennsylvania had come in from Connecticut some who had traveled from New Hampshire, upstate New York, and uh, many, many different areas of New Jersey. It was a quite the eclectic group of people who came to pay tribute to Bernard McGurk, his uh, wife, his son, his daughter, and actually our WABC family. And uh, to all of you, you came with genuine concern, you came with your memories. I must tell you, if we had conducted a show outside of St. Patrick's Cathedral, it could have gone on and on and on, all the memories that our listeners shared uh, with me and our other hosts and hostesses here at WABC. It came that point in the proceedings where it left the religious ceremony and then went to the people who gave tribute to Bernard McGurk, Bill O'Reilly, Uh, Hit on the Irish connection. Uh, He was magnificent. Talked about how, because their country of origin, their parents and grandparents was the land of error, ERA, how uh, Irish guys always share their legacy and always wonder when the plug will be pulled, the day that everything will be over because of the history of Ireland and the oppression of the English against those uh, Irish men and Irish women. It was a great rendition and presentation of the kind of life and time that Bernie grew up in, which was quite similar to Bill O'Reilly. And then Bo Deedle Bo gave an outstanding emotional presentation because he talked, he talked about all those things that a lot of people don't want to talk about. How all of a sudden uh, Bernie was marginalized, ostracized, as he said, So many who declared themselves to be lifetime friends of Bernard McGurk started to do the moonwalk. Move away from him in the aftermath of what transpired in that brief discussion that Bernard McGurk had with Imus and the contributors to the Imus in the Morning show about the female Scarlet Knight Rutgers basketball team. And as uh, Bo was talking about that, a litany of names went through my mind of all the people, all the people who Bernard had hooked up into that show that helped sell their books, all the people politically who had benefited from an appearance on Imus in the Morning Show, both in the radio edition and the TV edition. And then when all of a sudden, of all people, Bernard McGurk, Son of the Projects, grew up in the Monroe Housing Projects at a time, as it still is, predominantly black and Hispanic, one of the roughest, toughest housing projects in America. And then he's being called a racist. And then to go to Cardinal Hayes High School, again, a mixed, mixed uh, group of students, blacks, Hispanics, whites, some Asians, in fact, if you go to Cardinal Hayes now off 149th in Grand Concourse, right near Concourse Village, it's like 99% black and Hispanic. And then imagine to be called racist. And Bo definitely drilled down on that. Because there were so many people who probably never, even afterwards, when... Uh, when the I Miss in the Morning show was resurrected and came back and actually replaced me and Ron Kuby, whose mommy was a commie in the mornings here at WABC in 2007, I was not a happy camper at all. No, 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 no. But it was really Bernard McGurk who sued things over. And he said, I know the situation you're in, Curtis. You're on the shelf. I got put on the shelf, except I got to wear the scarlet letter, the big R that says Racist. And you know, you're a street guy, I'm a street guy, I'm anything but a racist. And how many times he had made his bones as a livery cab driver up in Yonkers, riding through the hills. Not lost in Yonkers, he knew every nook, cranny, and corner. And it was a dangerous, dangerous overnight ride for him down southward way through what I call Ghetto Square, a.k.a. Getty Square, into the Schlobein Projects, Mumford Gardens Projects. These are rough, tough places. At times, robbed at gunpoint, robbed at knife point, pistol whipped. And yet here's a guy who never, never disparaged black and Hispanics. And yet, as Bo Dito pointed out, people suddenly en masse did the moonwalk away from bernie and bo also mentioned how i in the morning was a fair with a friend who didn't want to give uh, bernie an opportunity to have a show of his own with sid rosenberg something that sid spoke about and Sid uh, really really got emotional because he said when well, nobody would give him a chance and it was true everybody was a doubting thomas Sid Rosenberg had crashed and burned so many times for a number of reasons that nobody, absolutely nobody in the radio business wanted to give him an opportunity. And uh, Bernard McGurk fought for him. He said, look, if I'm going to have a program on my own, my partner has to be Sid Rosenberg. And he, he took that stand, and he did not capitulate. There were times people said, hey, Bernie, just do it on your own. Don't take along the hot mess, Sid Rosenberg. You don't need that baggage. And Bernie, to his credit, said, no, he's my friend. We'll make great radio together. We just need the chance. And to know that the opportunity was there to do mid-mornings after Bernard McGurk would produce and contribute to the Imus in the Morning show. And Don Imus, a man that he was responsible for building up into the radio icon that he was, who fed him information, who read the books, who booked the guests, who kept uh, the mutiny of the bounty from taking place uh, amongst the crew and the staff at the fan and then at WABC. It was Don Imus who said, no, no, I don't want Bernie to have his own show mid-mornings. I want my pal Mike Lupica. And we all drilled in and we said to Chad Lopez, our general manager at that time, of Cumulus, he can't do that. And Chad made the best decision he'll probably ever make in his long radio life. And he said, no, we're going with Bernard McGurk and Sid Rosenberg. And as everyone acknowledged uh, from the bully pulpit, the number one news talk uh, program in the tri-state area as a result. And then obviously John Katsimatidis spoke and said a number of things that we will be doing in honor of Bernard McGurk. And Chad Lopez accentuated that. And then it was my time to speak. I had no idea that I would be called up there in St. Patrick's Cathedral. As you know, I have not been a fan of the Roman Catholic Church, especially over this migrant issue. And yet my name was called, and I realized they had one mission, one mission alone, because everybody else did an outstanding job in talking about the life and times and the contributions of Bernard McGurk. So I said to myself... The role I can play is what I shared similarly with uh, Bernard McGurk and with my very dear Kumbhari Cheech, who was there. the greatest mayor we've ever had in the city of New York, Rudy Giuliani. And that is prostate cancer. Rudy waited too long. I waited too long. A simple blood test. Rudy suffered as a result. He had a bow out of a race that had national implications. It was going to be Rudy Giuliani versus Hillary Rodham Clinton for the Senate seat vacated by Daniel Patrick Moynihan. He couldn't make the run. He was too sick. I waited way too long to get a simple blood test, and I suffer to this day the ramifications of waiting too long. And I've certainly gone on and told many of our listeners in all the different forms of radio that I do... Uh, how difficult it has been when finally I went for a simple blood test and they say you have stage 4 prostate cancer exactly what Bernie had and then luckily they were able to come up with a remedy I will never forget that day that Bernard McCurk toughest of the tough and you see ladies and gentlemen it's the tough guys who generally don't want to go for the test don't want to find out Rudy, me, Bernie And he came into a side studio here, and he related to me, he goes, I know you had stage 4 prostate cancer, Curtis, these are the symptoms that I have. And oh my God, it was far worse than anything I had ever experienced. I knew in my mind, not being a medical expert, he probably had his cancer metastasized. And finally he went for that test, and it's exactly what I thought it was. It had metastasized to his liver chemotherapy constantly every week and yet he continued to do the show with Sid oftentimes from his bed doing hours and hours of preparation because he was always prepared it didn't matter how bad he felt and he struggled and he fought and he keep making a comeback against all odds as he got chemo time and time again and then the one-two punch the left hook and right cross that finally took him out his appendix exploded Normally, that's a death sentence in and of itself. I know I had that. And then he had pneumonia. And as you know, oftentimes pneumonia sets in when you have other ailments. And that could be the killer. And that was the killer. And that's how Bernie passed into the hereafter on an easy pass into the uh, radio heaven that so many of our colleagues have gone to over the years. But as I uh, did my summation from up in the bully pulpit, I said, look, Uh, Bernie's life did not go in vain. As a result of his death in his 60s, today would have been his birthday. So many men have been made aware it's a simple blood test, just a prick of the finger, smear it on glass, and they test you. And you go once a year. And you don't start at the age of 55. That's what they used to say. You started at 40. Because men are coming up with prostate cancer at earlier and earlier stages in their life for a whole variety of reasons. It's not just genetic. A lot of people think, oh, my father had it, my grandfather. No, there was no male member in either side of my family, my mother or my father's side, who had prostate cancer. And yet I had a severe strain. It could be the environment. It could be the food we eat. It could be the water we drink. Anyway, get the test. And we are going to bring back what was the annual prostate cancer run that WABC, Channel 7, used to do. 10,000 runners would show up. And it brought awareness and families and women and children, like I beseech them now from the bully pulpit. I give you license to be an egg. I be- give you license to constantly get on the case of the men in your life. Drag them down and get that blood test. Because the toughest of the tough will not. Because they believe the stereotype that they'll be incontinent, impotent, and they'll be a eunuch. And that's just not the case. Bernard McGurk's death will not be in vain. New York's talk station with the
0: king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77
1: WABC. You can feel it in the energy in the air, this red wave, this red tsunami. It's coming fast and furiously. And as you know, a few months ago, the key four issues everywhere in the country, not just in our tri-state area, had to do with, first and foremost, abortion, the repeal of Roe v. Wade. That was definitely energizing women, especially in the suburbs. Then you had the problem of the constant uh, shootings, the uh, mass shootings that were occurring all over the country with um, semi-automatic weapons and those identified as semi-automatic weapons by people who had lost control of their mental faculties. So that was the number two issue, gun control. And then three was the rising problem of inflation, and four was crime. Well, in the matter of a few months, look at how the script has been flipped. As of yesterday, before the debates between Governor Hochul and Congressman Zeldin, and the Pennsylvania debate between Dr. Oz and the Lieutenant Governor Fedman, nationally, regionally, and locally, the first issue of concern to all the voters was not even inflation, which has been going up and up and up. Crime crime even in the suburbs inflation number two abortion number three gun control number four if you're a democrat you're saying to yourself oh my god we are on the cusp of victory in maintaining the u.s senate in maintaining governorships yeah yeah we probably will lose the house there goes nancy pelosi the poster child for term limits. But they were gonna hold strong. And now they're jumping ship on one another because their leadership has just has just unglued itself with Joe Biden, who uh every day is like Fetterman. And then Vice President Giggles Harris <laughs> has not been able to fill the void. And then with Nancy Pelosi, those are the big three Democrats, and they've not been able to come to the rescue of any of the Democratic candidates. So let's look at what happened at Pace University last night, downtown, across from City Hall. You would have thought there would have been a packed audience. Nobody in the audience. It's like, I don't get it with these people. The pandemic is over. The president said the pandemic is over. Why didn't you just have people observing the debate live wearing masks if you wanted a forced mask? And if you don't want to wear a mask, you wear a mask. You don't come in. No audience. What the hell is this? This is like the lockdown and pandemic in 2020. COVID does not even register as an issue any longer. Right? Coronavirus, COVID, remember how high it was in the polls of concern to Americans across the country just a year ago? Doesn't even resonate. In the Hokel zeldin debate yesterday, it didn't come up until the very end. Didn't even come up till the very end. Whereas if it had been a year before, as when I was running against Eric Adams for the mayor slot here, boy, that's what we were talking about half the time: to get a shot, not to get a shot. Vax, no vax. Boy, how times have changed in just a year. So it was crime, 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 and Lee Zeldin he came out swinging. Even though oftentimes the questions from uh, Errol, Errol Lewis and his uh, associate from upstate uh, were trying to veer away from crime, he just kept bringing it back to crime, crime, crime. Although I will say, at times, my perception was that Lee Zeldin was a little too whiny, a little too whiny, whereas uh, Kathy Holcomb was too shrill, too shrill. So I just want to pick out two cuts from that hour-plus debate, thank God, Errol Lewis said, "Oh, we're getting rid of the lightning rod," which uh, ran right around, which is ridiculous. You know, uh, say yes or no to something uh, uh, absolutely of no consequence, and they extended the debate about eight minutes. It was good. Lee, Lee Zeldin said, "Hey, let's do another hour." Kathy Oakle didn't say anything. Ultimately, I think when everything was said and done, Lee Zeldin did not win the debate. Debate, he didn't lose it. And Kathy Hochul did not lose the debate. I don't think they changed the minds of anybody watching. I think most people have already made up their minds, depending on where they are on the issues. I do think that both sides scored points. Initially, Lee Zeldin forcing at least the first 20 minutes to be consumed by discussion about all kinds of crime-related issues and then the dumbest thing of all the things said last night on that stage at Pace University was by Kathy Crimewave Wave Holcomb. Here it is. I thought she was a walking, talking, twenty-four-seven, three-six-five New Yorker, walking in the streets, riding the trains. Listen to this, Michigash.
0: Now, I understand the fear. I, I, I walk the streets of New York City every day. I've taken the subways. This fear is real. There's facts that talk about statistics, which make a different case, but I'm also dealing with real human beings who are anxious about their kids getting on a subway or going to work. I understand that, but that was not my first time teaming up with Mayor Adams. We were together literally January 6th, not that January 6th, but January 6th the following year, when Eric Adams was brand new as as mayor, I said, let's go to the subway together. Let's work together. You never heard that before. A governor and a mayor working in concert to support law enforcement. (laughs) I tripled the amount of money to go to law enforcement. And Lee (laughs) Feldman, when he was a member of Congress, didn't even bother to show up for a vote to fund our police officers. He didn't show up to vote for sensible gun safety. He walked off his job years ago to run for this one. And I feel for his constituents. All right, ladies, shut
1: up, shut up. What a yenta. You notice how she slipped January 6th then, right? Every, every chance she had, January 6th. Then. No, not that January 6th. A year later, when I and the swagger man with no plan, Eric Adams, we rode the subways together. Are we to really believe, Kathy Crimewave Holcomb, that you walk the streets of New York City and ride the subways every day? I know that your partner, the swagger man with no plan, Eric Adams, uh, pretends that he does, but nobody buys that. Why would you even say that? Because the crime issue is not a strong point for you. And then to insult everybody, first of all, you're the governor of the state in New York. You're in Albany. I get to be walking the streets of New York City every day and riding the subways. right? Come on! All right, so she lost that one. She got knocked out of the box. That was like a TKO for Lee Zeldin. But then, I don't know, after 20 minutes, for like 15 minutes... Lee Zeldin, he was, like, off on, like, zombie land. I don't know where the hell he went. All she did, I'm talking about Trump every five seconds, January 6th. The discussion then uh, lent itself to uh, Lee Zeldin's support for Donald Trump and the fact that he would not certify the election the night of the raid on the Capitol, January 6th. And let me tell you something. He should have been short, sweet to the point. Give it a bristly he went on and on and on. Is
0: Donald Trump a great president? I
1: worked closely with him on a, a yes number or no. of important yes policies. No. And He's I, allowed to
0: have a, a minute, like you. And, and, and I believe that from our work to combat MS-13 on Long Island, our work to secure a $2 billion electron-ion collider for Brookhaven National Lab, and all of the many decades of jobs, not just for the construction, but the research, will be humanity-changing uh, research, whether it's our work to secure the southern uh, border, strengthening the U.S.-Israel relationship, moving the embassy in Israel uh, from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem, getting the Abraham cords uh, <laughs> Maybe uh, the effort to go after the Iran nuclear deal, which was fatally flawed. And oh. fortunately, he had st- he stopped it when mm. it was the pandemic that hit. And I was calling, picking up the phone and I got PPE here. Hey, yeah, we yeah, getting hey. the approvals for the semi-automated testing, the public Stop. lab testing, the private lab testing, bringing the U.S. comfort up. To Thank New York, you. Bringing the Javits Center online. All that work is our Thank job. You, Mr. Zelda. I'll take that, a, I take that as i would take that as a resounding yes. And the voters of New York do not agree with you.
1: you could have just said yes. I supported the president. Uh, The other thing is whether he supported the president in the future, Donald Trump, if he runs for the nominee, I get that. He handled that well. But he went on and on and on, and he allowed uh, Hochul to get her breath in the corner after that TKO on crime and come back strong on the Trump issue. He He just wouldn't answer the question. He vacillated. And if you didn't like Donald Trump, you certainly were not enamored with that answer. And if you were like medze, medze, half and half, you say, God, if you supported him, just I support him. I supported him, period. And then, of course, the abortion issue, which, remember, our audience, and oftentimes the audience that is polled, tends to be male. Who are the people who lead the polling agencies? Male. Who are most of the workers that they employ to make the calls and solicit responses? Males. Who are the people oftentimes that are not surveyed efficiently enough? Females. Remember 2016, surprise, surprise, Donald Trump won the female vote. In the uh, category of females, that was thought impossible. And that's why Hillary Rodham Clinton is still in that fetal position at the Jacob Javits Senate. She couldn't believe that. Uh 2020, Donald Trump lost the female vote. That's why he's not president today. They never get sampled enough. That abortion issue resonates with women. Now, as to whether Lee Zeldin has been able to modify it by saying, hey, look, I'm the governor, you know, of a state that has certified abortion. There's nothing I could do to change it. It will be the law of the state of New York. Let's see if that suffices. I will tell you this from the analytics, Follow the analytics. There was a point there where Lee Zeldin was hammering her along with Errol Lewis for pay for play and talking about all the money close to a billion dollars spent on the new Buffalo Bills stadium in Buffalo in Erie County. They love that. She's the sugar mama. She brought the bacon to cheek to Wagga, Lockport Amherst. When, uh, George Pataki beat Mario Cuomo. Everybody talks about, oh, well, he won Erie County by 5%. Unexpected. Mario Cuomo was stunned. His son swore that would never happen again to him, Andrew Cuomo. That's why he had the Buffalo Billions. He wanted to guarantee that Erie County would always vote for him. He gave them a billion dollars to waste. And this billion dollars, you got to understand, what do they have up in Buffalo but the Buffalo Bills? The support group, uh, the fraternity and sorority of football supporters up there, they go all throughout Western New York, are called the Buffalo Mafia. And they love her. So don't immediately think. They're thinking that it's paid for play. If she wins Erie County, it's going to be very difficult for Lee Zeldin to win because we know he'll win Staten Island here, but he probably will not win Queens and Brooklyn and the Bronx and Manhattan and he might not win Westchester, and he might not win Albany County. So look at the analytics. Nobody wants to look at Erie County. I think when all is said and done, Erie County will, de- will determine who the next governor of the state of New York is, although there's no doubt that the momentum is with Lee Zeldin. And if he does win, and I hope he does, I'm going to do everything I can to get out to vote for Lee Zeldin. He has one person and one person alone to thank. And that's the swagger man with no plan. We have a safe subway system. Transit police officers, they have done their job. What we must do is remove the perception of fear. Cases like this aggravates the perception of fear. Uh, When you see homeless individuals with mental health issues not being attended to and given the proper services that add to the perception of fear. And so what our battle is in the subway system is fighting the perception of fear. Yeah, you keep thinking that, like Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. You keep thinking that, Butch. And as a result of all this subway crime, I mean, every day somebody's getting pushed off a platform, sucker punched, stabbed, shot, an endless crime wave that just fuels people to vote for Lee Zeldin. Thank you, Eric Adams, for being the swagger man who has no plan, who's done the worst job dealing with uh, public safety issues, and even Comrade Bill de Blasio, the part-time mayor, the dope from Park Slope. Just to give you an idea, you had a 62-year elect- 62-year-old elect, 62 year electrician who worked at Columbia Presbyterian. He was on the platform of the number four train, 149th Street Grand Concourse, at 9.45 on Sunday night. He got sucker punch, knockout punch. Twenty-one year old Deshaun Smith, who claimed, Hey, I didn't do it, I didn't do it. The 62 year old guy, afterwards, surviving it, says, Imagine I pay two seventy five for someone to hit me and throw me on the train tracks. What's going on in New York? We have these outlaws that are using the subway system to commit crime. The kid is not going to tell you that he did it. He's going to claim, oh, I'm mentally impaired, I was out of my mind, I had a bad family life. And then he went on to say, what the hell is the mayor and the officials doing? If you notice, there's a constant chorus from crime victims and their families now to Eric Adams, the swagger man with no plan. What the hell are you doing, mayor? There may be one positive thing that comes out of his ineptness, his attention deficit disorder, and the fact that he's incompetent in dealing with law and order. Because of all of this, because we are the media capital of the world, and because these now are the first three or four stories every night on the evening news, they lead our newscasts at WABC, and even the New York Times has had them above the fold in addition to uh, the New York Post and the Daily News because of his inability to handle things. This may well lead, I hope, I hope, Light your Shonda candles, your Shabbos candles on Friday. Go to your Novena on Monday, light the candles there. So that Lee Zeldin becomes the governor of the state of New York. It is, for many people, the only hope. They have told me privately they're out of here if Lee Zeldin leaves, and I believe them. I see the for sale signs everywhere because I'm making the rounds for the team of Zeldin, Esposito, the whole slate of Republican candidates, and I believe them, my heart and soul. I I can look in their eyes and say, this is it, Curtis, this is it. And we look to Pennsylvania, and again, there's a rush of people leaving Pennsylvania, especially eastern Pennsylvania, in and around Philadelphia, the crime capital might as well be of America. And I got to tell you, last night's debate that I watched with Dr. Oz and an impaired Fetterman, if this had been a fight, uh, the cut man... Should have come out. You know, Rocky Balboa's manager. Oh, Rocky, I told you, I'm going to throw the towel in him. Throw the towel you. He's going to kill you. He's going to kill you. He should not have been in that debate. Fetterman is impaired. I hold his family responsible. I hold his support team. They could have opted out a month ago, and it could have been a replacement, according to the election laws of the state of Pennsylvania. They thought that they could sucker their way through. I mean, it would have been a hell of a lot better. I know nobody would, I would have preferred for him to be up at that podium with his hoodie on. Because believe it or not, Eminem, right? Eminem, Slim Shady, 50 years old with the hoodie on. That appeals to a whole generation of people who now are voting. And believe it or not, it would have served him well to go up there with the hoodie. Everybody why are you talking about suit and tie, you know, blue tie showing he's not a Trumper like odds who had the red tie. No, 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 no. Why vacate what got you there, Fetterman? I realize see all these other problems were overwhelming. Should have won the hoodie. You should have won the hoodie. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. You can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. guys right with the shamrock tattoos when you look at that video house of pain you could easily see bernard mcgurkin there easily he would have fit right in the guy had the street cred the guy was had that edge tough as they come a man's man but uh let me go back to where we started uh at 12:15 when i had just walked in From a celebratory mass at St. Patrick's provided uh, to all of our WABC listeners by Cardinal Dolan and the priests and the staff there who came out in full force to welcome hundreds and hundreds of our WABC listeners, family, friends of Bernard McGurk and his family and colleagues who work with him over the years at WFAN on the Old Diamond Show on television As many appearances weekly with Bill O'Reilly and, of course, when he came to WABC. And when I say celebratory, because it truly was. It was like an Irish wake, except this obviously was a celebration of his birthday. I mean, I've been to a lot of uh, masses. Once a person has already passed on and it gets to be very somber, it gets to be very sad. It wasn't sad at all. Uh, it's a tribute to everybody that put together the program that we, we heard that was celebratory of the life and times of a man's man, a great man, a uh, man who was a role model to so many in our business, especially I saw that for myself, young men, young women coming into this world of radio, which is a dysfunctional family. Kid, you not, it looks like it's very functional from the outside, but it is a dysfunctional family. And Bernard McGurk would oftentimes be there, like the Nobel Peace Prize winner, patch things together, not only in his own show, I Miss in the Morning, but then the show, eventually, he was to finally realize his dream come true to do his own show. And from January 27, 2016, we had an opportunity to hear The real Bernard McGurk. No, not the Bernard McGurk who would imitate Cardinal O'Connor and Cardinal Egan. That's probably what he was most famous for. If you notice, he never did those imitations afterwards. Because there was a whole side to Bernard McGurk that we were not exposed to in the many years that he was the controlling element of the Imus in the morning show. He was Don Imus, especially in Imus's waning years when he was degrading. Degrading as fast uh, as Joe Biden is now. That's how quickly he was degrading. Without Bernard McGurk, there would have been no Imus in the morning show on television or radio. But to be able to enjoy him and his dream come true, bringing Sid Rosenberg back like Lazarus from the dead. Sid Rosenberg, it, that was it. Nobody wanted to have anything to do with him. He was a hot mess. And again, I can't say it enough. Bernard McGurk says, if I get my opportunity, it's got to be with Sid. And he took that 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 stand. And thank God to our general manager at that time, Chad Lopez, who defied Imus in the morning. Imus himself with all of his power said no to Bernard, no to Sid. I don't want them having their own show after mine. I want Mike Lubica. That would have been a disaster. And many of us stepped in. We did an intervention. We said, Chad, don't sign the paper. The papers were on Chad's desk to sign Mike Lupica, it would have been no Bernard McGurk, no No. Sid Rosenberg show. The greatest thing between January 27th and 2016, and then becoming the number one news talk team in the tri-state area, is that we got to finally hear Bernard McGurk in all of his glory, in all of his magnificence, all of his knowledge, all of his in-depth research and study. There weren't enough hours in the day. That's what I'm always going to remember. We got to hear the real Bernard McGurk before he went right to radio heaven.